It is Easter, and we welcome you to the Bridge Church. We're so grateful to uh, Principal Kidwell for giving us the opportunity to have our church service here at the Central Elementary School parking lot. Um, and uh, Superintendent Jamie Weddington for allowing this to happen. We are thankful that everyone has showed up, and uh, we're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection power that was in him. The Bible declares is in us. And as we experience today Easter, it is a representation that this is the day that those that worshipped him 2,000 years ago, went and looked for him in a tomb. And as they got there that day and looked in the tomb for his body, his body was not there for he had risen. And that is in the Bible in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. It depicts that uh, picture. And Luke is a physician. He's writing about this uh, occurrence that he has first-hand knowledge of, and as Luke is writing these things down in Luke chapter 24, he's ending his gospel message. He's ending, ending his account of how that happened with Jesus Christ and his life that he witnessed. And the last chapter, chapter 24, verses 1 through 8, it depicts this story. And it says that as they were there, and it was the first day of the week this Sunday, that as there were some women that took off and they were on this journey to go see Jesus' body and, and put the ointment on him and, and prepare him for the final burial. And as they went there that day and as they attempted to view his body, he was gone. And as they were there and they looked at this, they were astonished, they were amazed, and they were taken back by that by this appearance that they walked up, that Jesus wasn't there, and they were taken by it, and they were set back, and some things catches us off guard from time to time. And there are situations in our life that as we face things that goes on, as we go through life, we'll see these points and these points in our life that we don't understand, that it doesn't make sense. Because any other body that had ever been placed in a tomb throughout history in the Jewish faith, they would go and do these services that they would anoint the body, they would pour oil on the body, they would prepare it for eternity. But this time, these ladies showed up and they were going to do their duties. And as they were doing this, they found that it was an empty tomb. And it's amazing to me as they were living their life and doing what they were called to do, that their surprises happened. And the Bible is full of stories where that it says that God has mysteries. And Paul the Apostle writes about the mysteries of Christ. And there's some things that we don't understand, that we can't explain, that makes no logical sense to us here on this earth. And I don't know about you, but there's been points in my life that I've had to walk through situations or walk through storms or walk through trials or walk through situations, and it doesn't make sense that I can't make sense of what's going on. And I think that really takes place here today, that as we are here in the midst of this uh, epidemic and we are socially distancing and everybody's six foot apart and we even set up the stage so that people were six foot apart in this social distancing with this pandemic. There's things happen that doesn't make sense to us. 
But in the midst of those moments, we have to decide what are we going to do? What are we going to do in the midst of those situations? So these women continued to do what they had always done. They continued to do what God called them to do. So I'm encouraging you today to continue to do what God has called you to do. If you feel like waking up every morning and taking communion during this epidemic, then do that. If you feel like getting up every morning and praying and reading your Bible, then do that. And when I was thinking about this sermon and, and I had it listed that the name of this sermon is If Seeing is Believing, Jesus allowed for that too. Some people has to see some things happen in their life to come to a revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he allows some things to take place in your life that brings you to a place where that you can for once see where that you were blinded before. Amen? That's where you're at today. God has allowed you to see this situation, to come to a faith in him to come to a knowledge of the resurrected power of Jesus Christ and that resurrection power coming to life on the inside of you and bringing you to a knowledge of God that you didn't have before. He will cause you to have faith to get through storms in life that you couldn't drum up on your own. It has to come from Him. So these women walking up that day, and as they got there and they, they appeared to the tomb and they were amazed and they were perplexed, they were taken back and they seen nothing. And all of a sudden as they were standing there and they seen nothing, there was these two men, there was these angels showed up. And as they looked, these angels began to speak to them and said, why are you coming to a place of the dead looking for the living? Jesus is alive, folks. Why do you look at a tomb for a resurrected Christ? And these women say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And the two, two guys standing there, they said, look, did he not tell you just a few days ago that he was going to be crucified on a cross and that he was going to be resurrected on the third day? Jesus prepares you if you will listen. Jesus will give you the answer before the problem ever arises. So these women, they said in verse 8, I love it, in verse 8 in Luke chapter 24, it says they remembered what he had said. Sometimes situations hit you so that God can remind you of what he's told you before. Has he not spoken to you? Has he not given you answers before your problems in your life? Has he not allowed you to read a discipleship manual? Maybe you was reading a devotional and that day you wake up and I love it that just a few months ago somebody that's a new Christian just within the last year talked to me about it's amazing to them how that they wake up in the morning and they read your devotional and they look out and something happens that day and they're like, wow, you mean God can speak before something happens? I can tell you today that is a fact that God will speak to you before things happen. He prepares you for storms. He gives you answers for life. This resurrected Jesus that we serve is alive today. He's making intercession, it says in Scripture, for you and I. He's, he's sitting on the right hand of the Father praying for everyone in this lot. He's praying for everyone that will see this video. 
they remembered what he said. The question today is, do you remember? Do you remember what Jesus has said to you? As we sit here today and we think back through our life, can you remember a point in your life where that you got the word of God just seems like it come over you and it seemed like the words leaped off of that page of that Bible and it become a reality in your life? Can anybody here say that is truth in your life? That God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. That the God of heaven has prepared a way for you and I to make it to eternity with him. I can remember what he said. I can remember points in my life where that Jesus showed up and it seemed like it was reality that I could sense that his presence was around me. I knew he was there in the midst of my situation. I believe he's a healer today. Do you? So all through scripture as I studied through this and thinking about seeing is believing. And that we need to be reminded of this, that we need to remember this. In John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples just a few days before this account of the resurrection. And he said, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I have told you. How many needs the Holy Spirit in this place today? How many needs the Holy Spirit to begin to remind you of what's taking place in your life? I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of the truth of God's Word. I need Him to remind me to settle my spirit so that I can know that His presence is with me. He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. We need to be reminded of His Word. And the Holy Spirit is doing that in this age, in this time, in this season in your life. He is reminding you of His goodness. We need that today. John chapter 20, verse 24. This is, happens after this account that these women go and they are reminded of the voice of God. They are reminded of the voice of Jesus. They are reminded of the words he said that he predicted. I'm going to be crucified on a cross. I'm going to raise again on the. Th- I'm going to be raised again on the third day, and I'm going to be alive, and I'm going to make intercession for you. I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. He said in John 14. And as Jesus told us, the remembrance came. Why? Because the Holy Spirit reminded them. These angels reminded them of the goodness of God, of the preparation of God. John chapter 24. It says, but Thomas, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Don't be like Thomas. Don't be like Thomas. This was a point in life I wonder what Thomas was doing and why he wasn't with other disciples, why he wasn't with other believers, but he was out doing his own thing. And it says that he was not there when the other disciples saw Jesus. Don't do your life alone. Do not live this life in isolation away from anybody, especially with the technology we have today. You can text your neighbors. You can text people around the world. You can read missionary stories on your device today. It's a better time than ever for isolation to be non-existent in our world. Christians, we don't have to assemble together in a church building somewhere. I love it that God has made a way even for us to assemble here together today. But guess what? Even for the churches out there doing video, Facebook Live, and all these YouTube Live, and all these other things, guess what? They're still assembled together. Don't do life alone. 
I really am concerned about the mental health conditions of many that are in the midst of this pandemic, the things that's going on, for people that's trying to get through it by themselves. We need to pray to God of heaven that he will give us a revelation knowledge, amen, that he will prepare our neighbor, that we love our neighbor, and we check on our neighbor. Don't let anybody do life alone. It's the church's responsibility to stand up for each other. It says when one is weak, let the other one lift them up. When one is strong, let him lift up that weaker vessel. God is calling you to reach out and check on somebody. And it's not just Christians. Check on your neighbors. It doesn't matter if they're an atheist or a Hindu or whoever they are. Check on them. Why? Because God wants Christians to lead in this situation. But Thomas doubted. Thomas doubted. He wasn't with those other disciples. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. We have seen him. Thomas wasn't with them, but their voice explained what they had saw. We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into side, I will not believe. If seeing is believing, Jesus provides for that too. Don't judge your neighbor's disbelief. Pray that God will show them. Amen? These other disciples say, well, you should have been there. They could have said, you should have been there, Thomas. But they didn't do that. They said, we've seen him. And then Thomas goes on to say, I have to see him for myself. You cannot get to heaven on your grandmother's prayers. You cannot get to heaven on your mother's prayers. You cannot get to heaven on your father's prayers. You get to heaven on your prayers. God don't have grandkids. He, he, all of us are his children. Unless you believe. So Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see. And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas was with them. Then Jesus came. Everybody say, then Jesus came. This is the resurrected Jesus. This is the Jesus that still had scars in his hands from hanging on the cross. This was the same Jesus that a spear had thrust his side and penetrated his heart and busted his heart that water and blood came pouring out. This is the same Jesus. He's alive even though he's been dead. And as he stands there, he didn't wait and he didn't say, I'm going to go on and I don't care if you don't make it, Thomas. Jesus came and showed up eight days later. He will show up in your life. And if you're sitting here today and saying, I've got to see it. I've got to see it for myself. I pray today that God will show up. I pray today that God will sense that you will know his presence is in your vehicles as you sit there today. I pray the Holy Spirit brings the remembrance just as Jesus promised. And I pray he comes alive on the inside of your heart. And for people that don't believe, I pray today he shows you because he's a resurrected Jesus and he's real in my life. And I stand here as a testament to his goodness today. And Thomas, 
Can you imagine the Doubting Thomas? And this is his name. Everybody's called him this throughout history. They call him Doubting Thomas. And it's Doubting Thomas is sitting there that day and Jesus shows up. Woo! This is too good to be true. That we get to make heaven our home if we believe. And after eight days, then came Jesus and the door being shut. He stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Jesus had heard Thomas's request even though he wasn't there in the physical at that moment when Thomas said, this is what I have to see to believe. Can I tell you today that God has heard every prayer you've ever prayed. God has heard every question you've ever had. God has heard every doubt that you've ever said. And he's prepared a way even though you thought, man, he don't know. He can't understand. He, he doesn't feel. But the Bible is very clear that Jesus suffered this death on the cross for your sin and my sin. And he, was, he dealt with these same affirmities that we have. Then he said to Thomas, when he said that, and Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou have seen me, and has believed, blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. You see, Jesus was preparing these words to be written down for you and I. And sure, at that 40-day interjection point after the resurrection of Jesus, the 40 days later, that Jesus is standing on this mountaintop and he's standing out here and he's talking to his disciples and he's, he's telling them, you know, that he's going to be taken away. And the Bible says that heaven opened up and the clouds received him and Jesus ascended into heaven. At this 40-day point, it's in the, Acts, in the book of Acts that it tells about this, that Luke tells about this, that Jesus was taken up. But he tells them, tarry in Jerusalem. Wait till you be endued with power from on high. At the day of Pentecost, there's going to come a point where that you're going to be injected with the Holy Spirit. And as you have this, that faith is going to come, a supernatural faith. It's going to be a faith that will shake mountains. It's going to be a faith that will cause you to overcome anything. And these disciples needed that kind of faith. They were living in a... We're not persecuted. We're not persecuted today where they were persecuted. Most of the disciples died a painful death for believing in Jesus Christ. We're sitting here in freedom and liberty today. And I thank God to be born in this land. But there's Christians around the world today that have to hide in basements of their home and pray under buckets so nobody can hear them. Why? Because they're afraid for their life. These people were persecuted. We're not persecuted. And doubting Thomas... Jesus tells him, many are going to believe even though they don't see. That's talking about everybody here that has trusted Jesus with your life. And you've believed the Bible to be true. 
you've believed the words of a preacher that ask you to confess your faults, that ask you to believe in a resurrected Jesus Christ, that ask you to pray a sinner's prayer, that ask you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And as you believe those things, Jesus is speaking about you at this moment to this doubting Thomas. Verse 30, and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his own disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Is there anybody out here today that has life through Jesus' name? There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. There is resurrected power in the name of Jesus. I love it in the Old Testament that there was a prophet one time and he was, he was standing here in, in this place of Jerusalem and he was, he was looking and he was praying and he was seeking God and there was, it was bad times going on in the nation of Israel at this time and there's this prophet named Isaiah and it's Isaiah chapter 6 that it says Isaiah was praying and it was the year that King Uzziah died and it was a, a, a time in the season of the nation of Israel that, that the people's hearts were perplexed, that they didn't understand what was going on. And this prophet of God, standing in this nation's capital, he's standing there looking at the temple and he said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and he saw God in the midst of the Old Testament. I'm telling you here today, if these people throughout this Bible have saw God move in situations and storms and pestilence and all the things that have happened throughout this Bible, if they saw God move, you can see God move in the midst of your situation. Trust him, believe him, have faith in him, believe and trust with all your heart today. So Isaiah said that, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne in the train of his road to the temple. And I'm going to read it. And attending, there were mighty seraphim. Each of them had six wings with two wings covered in their faces. And they were covered their feet and the two flew. And they were calling out to each other saying, Holy, 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 Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And as they were saying this, their voices shook the temple to its foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I live among a people of unfilthy lips. And yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me and having a burning coal taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to his people? Who will go for us? And he said, here am I. Send me. This Old Testament prophet saw the God of heaven and he saw his train fill the temple. And as he was sitting here and he was witnessing this, he saw when you see God move, I'm telling you this, you'll see how undone you are. When you see God move in a situation, you will automatically come to this point and say, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm not worthy to see God. We are unholy. The Bible says our righteousness is filthy rags. You cannot be a moral person. You cannot have enough morality to get to heaven. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And as this prophet said this, can you see these angels coming down and touching his lips? 
This is symbolic of you and I when the Holy Spirit comes and he touches us. That our filthiness, our evil desires are done away with in an instance. And then God says, who's going to go for me? Who's going to go preach my gospel to the people of the earth? It's you. It's you. It's me. It's every person sitting here. If God has done something in your life, if you've seen him come through in ways that you didn't think possible, if you've seen him move in your life, you are to tell others. You are to be a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I beg you, church, I beg you, Christians, do what God's called you to do. Begin to speak about his goodness. Declare to others how good he's been to you. And it's this old prophet. Can you imagine him going out in the streets and telling this story? Can you imagine an Old Testament prophet writing down words saying, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. In the Old Testament, they didn't believe you could see God. They didn't think it was possible for somebody to go up on a mountain, even for Moses, to see God. But I'm here to tell you today that you can get to a point in your life to where God will show up. And even when others say that's not possible, that you can say, I'm telling you, I've seen him. I'm telling you, I've felt him. I'm telling you that I know him. And I'm telling you that he's done something on the inside of me and he cleansed me of all unrighteousness. Tell about his goodness, church. That is the resurrection power, and that's what it's for. It's not for you to boast. It's not for you to go around telling about how holy you are. It's not for you to go out and saying, I'm better than a sinner. I'm better than him. It's for you to go out and say, God is good. God is good. And the more that we do it, the more he will be known. God is looking for somebody to send. Even in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 10, it says, verse 13, this is the end, I'm about done here. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Is there anybody here that's called upon the name of the Lord? Is anybody here that'll say, I'm calling on him right now. I'm calling on God. I want to see you, God. I'm thankful to be able to attend this service today. And I'm seeing God move, even in this situation. So as they do this, Everyone shall be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they bless how can they believe in him whom they've never heard about? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. How beautiful are my feet. Even these old wore out work boots that I got on today. My feet are beautiful. Why? Because I'm spreading a gospel of Jesus. And it's not about the beauty of my feet. It's about the beauty of this message, the goodness of my God. And as they're saying this, can you imagine? Paul, the apostle, writing this down, how beautiful is the feet of those that bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who's believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, and hearing the good news about Christ Jesus. Faith comes by hearing, and the King James says, and hearing by the word of God. 
If you are seeking faith today, if you're asking God to increase your faith today, there's nothing wrong with that. His disciples even asked him one time, teach us how to pray. Give us faith, God. Let us have faith like you, Jesus. There's nothing wrong with asking that and praying for that. But I asked, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to the end of the earth. But I asked, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy throughout people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolishness of Gentiles. And he's speaking to the Jewish nation at this point, And he's telling them that he's going to use the Gentiles even to believe. Without Jesus, you and I would not be able to make heaven our home unless we would become Jewish in the Old Testament. But Jesus come to make, the, make a way for you and I to believe, even as Gentiles here today, that we are grafted into the vine, it says in the New Testament. And today we have an ability to come to God and pray to a God of heaven that will hear us. And later Isaiah spoke boldly and said, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to them who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. I grew up with a mom and dad that packed me to church. And they would take me to hear an old preacher out in a little bitty church room out there at Hilltop Tabernacle. And in a little church with just a few people and no more than 20 ever attended the service that I remember. Usually about 10 to 15 people would show up. And we'd go sit there and we'd listen to this preacher and we'd listen to him play music. And I would sense God moving in my heart as a teenage kid. And I knew I was wrecked and I was undone without God. His Holy Spirit would come and he would draw me and he would woo me to God. But I would sit there in them altar, those pews and whenever the preacher would stand up at the end and he would say, whenever there's anybody here, come, let them come down to the altar and let them pray. And I would stand there and harden my heart. And I wouldn't go pray. And the sad part is I know my grandpa was standing right beside of me because I'd always go over and sit by him. And I know he was praying, saying, God, let one of my grandkids come to the altar. And I wouldn't do it because of the rebellion of my heart. The hardness of my heart. And it took time for God and His goodness and His mercy and His grace to keep appearing to me. I can't help but cry when I think about what God has brought me from. And I never would go. It took me getting up into my 20s and doing everything I shouldn't have been doing and partying and running and doing everything I was not supposed to be doing in rebellion against God. In the hardness of my heart. But I can take you to a place on an October night 
back in 1999 that I was driving through these streets of this town right here looking for somebody to pick up to go to the bar in Portsmouth to have a good time on a Saturday night. And right up this street right here, I drove by a building and I saw evil standing beside of the road. And it looked like a Graham Reaper standing there and I knew it scared me to death. And I thought, man, I just hope I can get home. And I drove straight to my house and I didn't go to the bar. I didn't go party. I didn't go do anything. I was scared because I knew that I'd been taught right. I knew that I'd been raised right. I knew that I'd had enough gospel encounter in my life that I knew right from wrong. And I knew that if I didn't do something that I was going to end up in a devil's hell if I didn't turn my life over to God. That happened right here within a mile of where I'm standing. Here I am 20 years later standing on a platform telling a, a parking lot full of people about the goodness of God in my life. Don't tell me God can't turn it around. Don't tell me God can't show the impossible possible. Don't tell me that God won't show up in your life when you need him. Even if he uses the enemy to scare you, he will cause you to believe even when you have unbelief. And when I got home that night, I promised God, I said, if you will let me get to church tomorrow, I'll give my life to you. And I drove to a church up in Greenup County. And I walked in that church building that night and there was over 400 people in that building and I didn't know one single soul in that building. It was God's destiny for me to go there. And as I showed up in that room that night and the preacher preached and he gave an altar call at the end and he said, if there's anybody wanting to give their life to Jesus, come forward and we'll be glad to pray for you. And he tarried and he went on and finally he said, well, looks like nobody's coming, but if you need prayer, if you would like to give your heart to God today and you can sense and know that he's calling you and drawing you, but you're unwilling to come at this time and you want me to pray for you, he said, everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. He said, just lift your hand up and I'll pray for you. I wasn't brave enough to walk to the altar. But when everybody wasn't looking, I was brave enough to raise my hand. And I can remember how much weight it felt like was on my hand to raise my hand that night and say, I'm lost. I'm going to go to hell if something don't change. And the pastor said, okay, I'll pray for you. I left that church building and I'd make God a promise. If you let me get to church, I'll give my life to you tonight. And I took off back down the road on Route 23 coming towards home. And I made it just about to green up. And as I was traveling down the road on 23, my heart began to beat so hard it felt like it was going to leap out of my chest. And I felt the awfulness that sin brings on us. And I felt like that I'd let God down. I promised you, God, I'd give you my life. But here I am, and I'd let you down again. And I'd done something illegal. I'd done a U-turn. Amen. I'd done a U-turn. And as I'd done that U-turn, I want you to know, Joe Don, as I'd done that U-turn, I turned my truck around, and I headed back towards that church, and I said, God, please, I beg you, please let somebody still be there when I get there. And as I pulled in the parking lot, everybody had vacated and just about there was just a few cars sitting around. And I thought, please let the doors be open. 
And I walked up to the door and the door handle was open and I walked in. There's a bunch of teenage kids in there deciding where they was going to go eat dinner that night after church. And I was a hoodlum. I wore a leather jacket and had my cowboy boots on and I didn't look like a churchgoer. And here I come walking into that church and the pastor was standing there talking to these kids and as I began to walk up to him, I wonder what went through his mind. He didn't know me and I didn't know him. And I'm walking dead set right towards him after his service is over, dressed in black. He could have had all kind of preconceived notions, but guess what? When I walked up, he said, what can I do for you, son? I said, I need to get saved. I need to give my life to Jesus. And as I did that, he said, he told, he looked over to a bunch of them teenage kids, and he said, go up there and pray with this young man. And I'll never forget a young man named Stephen and a young man named Chris walking me over there and kneeling down at an altar. And I didn't even know what to pray. I grew up in church and I didn't know how to pray, how sad it is that we think we have to have pretty words to talk to God. And as I knelt there and I was just tears laying on that altar and I was crying uncontrollably. And I looked over at that young man, a teenage kid, and I asked him, I said, what should I say? And he said, just say what's in your heart. And I began to pray. And I told God I wanted him to be Lord of my life. I told him I was tired of living in sin. And I wanted to know his resurrection power. And that day, life came into me. At that very moment, at that very instance, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. I had heard about him. I had saw others witness about him. I had heard others talk about his goodness. But at this point, in this point in history, in October 9, 1999, I was faced at this altar and kneeling on my knees down praying and having these two young men beside of me. I began to have life and it felt like the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. All the sin that I'd ever done was lifted off of me in an instance. By Jesus Christ, I saw him in that moment, not literally, but I saw him in knowing that I'm a free man. I've got a freedom that can't be understood. I've got a freedom to live a life of the joy of God. And I'm just wondering if that's you here today. Maybe you've come to this place and you've thought, I'm tired of living how I've been living. I'm hearing all these other people as Christians, and I watch them getting through these situations, and I, wa- I witness their faith. I'm witnessing them testify about the goodness of God, and I'm just wondering, can I experience myself? Can I see that myself? I'm here to tell you today, absolutely, 100%, without a doubt in my mind, that God it's not God's will for any to perish, but that all come to repentance, it says in Peter. So today I want to ask you, if you'd bow your heads in your cars. Everybody here, bow your head and close your eyes.
Holy Spirit, I pray that you come. And that the Father would draw. Like you have done so many times in past. God, I pray just as you happened to me. That you drew me to yourself. Even after years of rebellion. people sitting here that need you God like they've never needed you before and Holy Spirit as you draw as you woo their hearts towards Christ I pray today that you would allow them to have the boldness to leave this parking lot changed for eternity that the sins of their life would be lifted off their shoulders just like it was for me back in October of 99 that you would make them righteous before God when they're asking to see you today God I pray Just as on this cloudy day, as we're standing here at this moment, that we know the sun is shining. Let them be like Isaiah in Old Testament. Let them see you high and lifted up. Let the train of your temple fill their heart. Pray this in Jesus' name. I can sense God moving all over this area right now. I can I can tell He's moving. The sun is out. Open up your eyes and look at that. The sun is out. cloudy day and the S-U-N symbolic today of the S-O-N that the Son of God is illuminating your life I want everybody here to bow your head and I want you to pray this prayer with me everybody here and I want you to pray it out loud don't be embarrassed I want everybody here to repeat this prayer with me. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, 
I come to you in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, of my faults, of all my failures. And I'm asking you today to be Lord of my life. That you remove this sin and that you give me a newness on this Easter Sunday. Help me to trust you. Help my unbelief. Increase my faith. Because I want to live in heaven with you forever, throughout eternity. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.